Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Rhea Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guests are Greg Gonzalez and Joe Cloys, the co-founders of Youth the People. Hi, Greg. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hey, Priya. How's it going? How are you guys today? Doing well. Doing good. Doing well. Yeah, yeah. doing good. So, Joe, Greg, please tell our audience where you are, like how you guys have kind of been navigating. Because for those of you who aren't on screen with us right now, Joe and Greg are not together. We're all in different squares on Zoom right now. So tell me where you guys are. Yes, yeah, so I am uh, I live in Walnut Creek. It's in the East Bay of the Bay Area. Um, so here at home uh, with my with my family, I've been here since March. So a uh, little bit of a different. I'm used to traveling a lot. So just home and had a lot of fun with the kids. And what about you, Greg? Uh, I am in L.A., so just outside of downtown L.A. I'm currently in Silver Lake, but spend most of my time in the Arts District, which is uh, where the office is at. But um, sadly, not uh, the same office time that we're used to getting. But uh, yeah, downtown L.A. So were you guys always kind of doing this cross commuting thing before COVID and now I've just been separated for the last six months? Well, mostly we built um, the team in L.A. in the Arts District is where we have our headquarters. But originally our roots are in the Bay Area. Um, and that's where our grandmother started her skincare company. So originally we were, you know, living up there and I came down to L.A., but Joe has stayed there with his family. So Joe had the busy task of coming down quite often. Uh, yes. You know, multiple times a week. So, yeah, pretty, pretty wild uh, schedule there uh, pre-COVID for sure. And what's that been like running a business, you know, even though you're both in California, being separated like this? I mean, we're definitely on the phone a lot together uh, or Zoom, um, you know, but we're, you know, pre-COVID, it was, it was, there was a good flow. I would come down a couple of days a week, fly down. And it's a pretty easy flight. It's only about an hour. Uh, so I was able to travel pretty consistently down there. And then uh, he, Greg and I also traveled to a lot of different locations together. So we would meet wherever that would be in the world. Uh, now post COVID it's everyone working from home. So we're just talk a lot on the phone, do a lot of zooms. It's definitely weird because I would see Greg every single week. And again, like I said, we travel a lot. So we were together all the time. And then all of a sudden about four months now without hanging out and Greg and I are cousins and we grew up together. So we're so used to just hanging out all all the time. So it's been a, it's been a change. So for our listeners out there who may not know you to the people that well, um, could you guys describe how kind of this is an extension of your grandmother's beauty business and how you guys first got into beauty. Yeah, definitely. So we're third generation in beauty. Started with our grandmother who started her professional skincare line in 1979. Um, and it was all based on natural botanicals uh, and then mixing those with clinical pro-grade actives. So we really come from the pro side of skincare. Um, and eventually my mom and our aunt Lori, so both of Joe's aunts, took over that mm-hmm. business. And we really just spent our childhood running around either our grandmother's skincare business or my mom and aunt's hair business. So just really like immersed in beauty, learning about ingredients uh, really early, uh, became obsessed with the business and started working trade shows after college and sort of like realized, okay, we really, we really love this. We want to do something different Um, and took quite a few years to kind of figure out what that would be. And, you know, pro skincare lines are hard to navigate. There's a ton of SKUs. Um, but one of the really good things is they work and you get those really effective pro back bar products. So we wanted to bring that in and really simplify kind of the regimen and the amount of SKUs that were offered. So, Greg, you know, that brings up an interesting point because, you know, we're kind of at this precipice of, you know, brands wanting to have l- more limited SKU assortments, like better products, fewer products. Mm-hmm. 
But we're also at this clean slash efficacious junction too. For mm. a brand that's kind of been seeped in that from the very beginning, you know, what's the last five years been like? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we built the brand on a certain philosophy in terms of like what we don't have in it, what we do. But I really think as it moves forward, you know, the concept of clean or what you don't put in your, in your, in your product should really be the bare minimum. You know, it really matters what you do put in to them and what are the actives, what are the levels of actives. So I think it's about finding that balance of, you know, having a, a perspective on the ingredients you use, but really, you know, for us, it's making things that work. We just come from that backbone. If it's not working for the skin, um, then it's not something that we want to make. And that, that usually leads to us taking more times on our formulas um, and just making sure that, uh, you know, we're not just launching excuse the launch. We want it to be like a true purpose. We'd rather take our time and really make something that lasts every time we launch something. So pre-COVID, and granted, this is a pre-COVID question because I think <laughs> things have changed a lot. You know, how did you guys execute that? Because, you know, Sephora is your biggest partner. You only had a handful of launches every year, two to three. And, you know, but you've experienced pretty significant growth and are one of the hallmarks. I know Jean-Andre called you guys out in the WWD article last week. That must have been huge. Um, yes. So how are you doing that with fewer and better when you know, people want more, more, more all the time. I think it comes down to just the focus we have on our SKUs. And as Greg mentioned, our, our professional heritage and, and the quality and the effectiveness that we get out of each product. And our products are, they are, you know, there are for a lot of different skin types, but they are very focused on what they're doing or the skin concern, whether it's from our cleanser, which is our hero product to our latest, uh, our launched in March, which was our Yerba Mate Energy Facial, which was a very specific exfoliating treatment. Um, so really just building products that we know they're, when you purchase that product, you know exactly what you're going to get from it and you know the results to expect, uh, to expect. And with those results, now you're going to be really loyal to the product and hopefully buy into other products within the company. Um, so we've built it really that way, skew by skew. And, you know, we're still very, we're still a very young company. And, and so for us, it's still the awareness piece, less of just new products for our current existing client. Uh, customer base, but also the awareness to bring in new customers is, is a big part of what we're trying to do. So how has that changed in this COVID environment? Because, you know, I've heard from multiple digital first brands, which I know you guys consider yourselves a digital first brand, that, you know, the inquiries, the new customers are just through the roof to their own mm -hmm. site. But at the same time, you have this huge partner where, you know, you want placement in their marketing and on their Instagram. So how are you navigating that in this COVID environment? <laughs> Hustle as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I, it's, I feel like when you, you know, in the last five years and you have a startup like ours, which is growing and growing, you end up just, you're always tackling something new. And just when you think you figure something out, something new comes. Um, but it really is finding that balance. We are a digital first brand. That's where we communicate uh, with our community. Uh, it's how we started from the very tiniest brand, you know, having conversations on Instagram. And so for us, it's just, you know, staying true to that, but then also figuring out, okay, now we have all this traffic happening in different places. How do we, you know, evolve what our team looks like and where they spend their time? You know, now we have certain people that aren't going in stores as much. Well, can we, let's create conversations and skin sessions on our website, um, let's get to know them better. Let's make sure they have the best customer service and experience possible, no matter what touch point they have in the brand. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really just trying to move as quick and learn, you know, learn, take the learnings and then 
you know, change it the next day if it needs to be. What about the shift to e-com in general? You know, you aren't having those associates in stores. People aren't picking up on the shelf the way that they used to. So what's working, what's not, you know, on your own site and then also on Sephora.com and some of your other partners as well? You know, for our, for us, it's been the shift was so I will start with none of our marketing or our our customer uh, conversations were outside of digital. It really was all digitally based. So there wasn't this big shift of, oh, my gosh, we have to change our entire marketing plan for the year. Uh, but what we did have was our, our field team in stores and, and our field team was fantastic at introducing you to the people, to the customers in Sephora and educating on our products. So it was how do we shift them in to build that online customer experience that as everyone, especially when COVID really started, people were like, I'm at home now. What do I do? So how do we create some experiences for them at home, whether it's so it's direct customer experiences with skin sessions that we started or through our uh, through our Instagram and other social media doing uh, good vibes at homes and other conversation and bringing in more creators to talk about uh, educating on our brand, our products, and also educating on other things that, that, we're, that we find important. Um, and that really has helped us shift it. And then the shift, the other side with Sephora is what we found. And I, I, we tied a lot to like the products and the formulations that we make is our business shifted. Everything that was lost from in-store went online immediately. So people just kept buying, but started purchasing online. And that, that continued. And our site also saw the surge, as, as you mentioned, most sites are. And we were able to just continue to grow using that that surge and, and enjoying and learning from those customers um, and then figuring out how to, as Greg said, run around and get it all covered. <laughs> how are you guys thinking about, you know, repeat and loyalty now? Because you have so many new customers on your own site and probably on Sephora.com if they're still doing free shipping. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, you don't want something to just be a flash in the pan. And so how are you kind of continuing engaging, whether it be through marketing or product to get people to buy again, which seems to be like, the, you know, the million dollar question for most brands right now. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's several things, but really it's checking in, you know, it's having conversations. How do they like the product? How does it feel listening to comments that are happening, you know, at all the social touch points, people that aren't reaching out, but what are the conversations happening uh, just from peer to peer? Those are the things that we want to know and just, you know, having open and honest conversations with ourselves of how we can make everything better. You know, we have a winning skew, but how can it be better? It's committing to always growing and evolving, um, just listening. I mean, it's out there, right? Like new trends are out there, new ingredients are out there. And what people think about your brand, it's out there. You just have to, to search and be open to listen to what what's happening. How do you think the piece on COVID and how that relates back to wellness and, you know, what we're doing to our bodies in and out of this pandemic has affected, you know, your customers and, and what you want to do and say. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I think it's, uh, it's just, you know, we've always been digital first. We've also been a wellness-based brand. So you bringing in our superfood extracts, learning about, you know, what inspires us within our products are a lot of the things we're eating and drinking every day. So I think bringing bringing those stories and stories into the, the product development and then looking at what can we do to educate the consumer uh, and educate our fans in in wellness and, and just bring more experiences to the company that they can learn from us on, whether that's skincare or taking care of your body, your mind, um, whatever that may be. Um, how can we be a part of it? And, and then also, how can we learn from our great community that, that, that we have? And we have a lot of great uh People in our community that are doing some really cool things. So we've really taken the, you know, taken it upon ourselves to listen and learn from them and, and try to 
evolve what we're talking about and, and promote them using our platforms. And then, and then the other thing I would, I would touch on is just, I think with wellness in general, um, you know, people are sort of figure out what they can control and what they can take care of. Right. I know I am, I'm at home, but I can take care of my skin. I can eat really good. I can, you know, order different things and cook different vegetables that I was, I can, you know, fix the house up and design things around. And I think people are finding ways to sort of get that self-love and that wellness uh, in different ways. And skincare really falls into that category. That's something that we're, you know, Joe and I talk about, we're grateful to be in an industry that, you know, through this environment, people really care about skincare and want to take care of themselves in that way. Um, but I think that's part of it too, is just the, mm-hmm. the how people are feeling and what they want to purchase in their daily lives. I know you guys have been particularly innovative, I think, um, with the way that you're connecting with some of your customers, like the way that you're talking about individuality, the what you're talking about, like checking in with mental health, and then even your Spotify stuff, which I think is really genius, um, and DJing playlists and all of that. So could you talk about like that kind of more lifestyle marketing versus just pure beauty product marketing? Yeah. yeah. Um, gotcha. It's been so important to the brand since day one. Um, you know, when we started, it's, it's not, Youth of, or it's not superfood skincare, it's use of the people and that, that, that you, the people are, are what drive us in that. Uh, it was funny, we were looking at some of our first uh, copy and Greg wrote a line, cleanse it, treat it, condition it, go get it. And that's one of the first like taglines we used as a company when we launched it and it, it still rings true. It's like, we wanna go get it and we wanna, we are trying to improve ourselves every day and we wanna learn from our community how to you know get better and hopefully we're then bringing information that they can also improve themselves. As Greg mentioned, it's all about that wellness piece at home and, and what can you change? And I think that's tied into a lot of the conversations and a lot of our storytelling around people and around the lifestyle, if you will, of, of people and wellness. And, and there's so many amazing things happening in the world that people can learn. And you may, and, and we're in this digital age where anyone in the world can learn from you and you can learn from anyone in the world. It's no longer like I'm here. So this is what I'm going to learn about. Uh, and that's opened up so many things for us. And then hopefully it's opening up things for our community. How is this playing out on TikTok, which I know that you guys are newer to and you seem to have an Instagram game down pat, but what's happening on TikTok and what are you thinking there? TikTok's happening. We're, uh, (laughs) we're, we're we're making some, we're taking and talking. Uh, but you know, we, we have, I think around just over 20, around 20 K followers on TikTok. Um, it's growing. We've had some videos that have done really well. Um, but you know, we just, it's, it's interesting because all of a sudden now we have a new type of content that we're creating quickly, but our social team, uh, it's something we got really excited about and sort of, you know, inspired to make this, this new type of content. So it's, it's going really well. Um, and now we're moving into, you know, reels and all of that, they kind of like fit in the same bucket. So, um, yeah, it's been good so far. And do you think that that, I mean, it's a totally different strategy from what you're doing on reels or Instagram or Facebook, like how you're slicing and dicing all this, because I know, uh, for my other conversations with you guys, like you're very much in the weeds with all of this. So as two founders yeah. who are not only running your PL, but you're also doing TikTok, like how is that all shaking out? Yeah, well, for TikTok, um, and definitely shout out to the team that, that jumped on that really <laughs> quick. Um, yeah. But uh, you have to, for it to do well, for it to, it, to actually work, um, you have to be on the trends of TikTok and you have to, edit and video and do it for TikTok, right? It can't be filmed for something else and then you try to turn it into a TikTok. It'll, you'll go up, but it's not going to perform that well. 
So it's really, yeah, I mean, it's finding time now to, to, to watch the trends and just be really quick on what's happening and then edit specifically for that platform. That, that's the key. You have to edit specifically for the platform. And has, you know, the rise in e-commerce and also social shopping, like whether it be Instagram shop, which I know Sephora is doing, of course, and you're doing via with them. Um, how is that kind of making you rethink maybe just stores in general and like what you're doing in stores with not, maybe not just Sephora, but some of your other partners? That's a good question. It's, you know, it's uh, the Instagram, the social shopping in general has been such a... Um, you know, it's like we were sitting there a year ago thinking it's, it's going that way. Everything's going that way. It becomes easier and easier. If you can see this post, you like this product, just let's buy it right here. Let's not swipe to shop and then go through seven more steps, right? We want convenience. Um, it's part of that luxury experience. If it's, if it's easy, convenient to purchase, it saves people time and, and that's great. Um, so it's now it's figuring out what are the right, uh, what's the balance? Uh, we do Instagram shopping and it's, it's, it's partnered with Sephora. Sephora was able to, uh, they've been such a great supporter of us since day one and they really incubated us as a brand and, and helped us grow to where we are today. So when they launched, when Instagram shopping launched, they had the, they set up a platform where we could do Instagram shopping on our feed that went directly to Sephora. And what that did was most, a lot of our community purchases from Sephora. So now they, they can learn from us. They can buy from Sephora, get their VIB and it really, it rounds out the experience of who we are as a brand uh, and also in our partnership with Sephora. And then with the other, with our other uh, retailers, they're all fantastic. And so it's just, what can we do with them to partner on social in other ways, whether it's, uh, you know, regrams that they do of us, things like that, that drive to their website and just, it's still, we're still figuring it out and it evolves every day. So we're just watching. The biggest thing is being really close with our retail partners and learning from them and, and what are best practices that they have. And here's some ideas we have and just continually going back and forth on it. Do you have a sense that maybe, you know, and I'm not, you know, putting this out there as a question more than, you know, knowing definitively that the importance of maybe being an essential door is going to matter more now, you know, like an Amazon or like a Walmart or a Target or any of those places versus just being in some of these more prestige channels uh, that you are in right now? I think, you know, I think as things hopefully get much, much better here with COVID, uh, you're going to see a different experience, but people are still going to want to go out and they're just going to want more of a, more of an experience at the store they go to. So I think the luxury stores, the specific stores will actually do very well because people will want that customized, very succinct experience and that whereas I think the bigger stores are going to be people are realizing how easy it is to now buy online and everyone's talking about the great digital shift of the last three months um so is does that mean okay now we really go out for these specific experiences to learn whether it's um you know our use to the people store which will eventually open in the arts district or uh you know another store that you're interested in because they have a new product or they have something going on at their store that you want to see I think that's going to, and you want to be a part of and learn from, I think that's going to really, really drive the, what happens within, you know, traditional retail stores. And what about your own store, Joe? Cause I know you just mentioned it. I have to ask, you know, what's the plan for that now? I, I opened that one up there. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> so you did. We, we had our, so the store is, is the front part of our office, downtown in the arts district. Um, we had, we opened it from early November through uh, late January last year or well this year. I uh, did very well. Uh, then we shut it down. It was kind of a pop up. It was our first test. And the plan was to, to OK, do some more work, uh, build it out and then reopen middle of the year. Um, 
That was pre-COVID. Uh, now we're in COVID, but we're still working on our plans for it. And, and we are going to build out this destination that, uh, at least for the neighborhood, that you know, so people are walking around right now and they want to start to look at shopping. So we want to build it out and, and have it open and have a space. And for us, it's, uh, it is that it's, it will eventually be our flagship. And so how do we get that and build that? And we have learnings still. We've never had a brick and mortar store of our own. And the only way to to learn and do it right is to just have it open and experience it and see what everyone's going towards. And, you know, and time in and time out, you build things. And you're like, this everyone's going to go to this. And no one ever goes to that, but they go to this, right? <laughs> like this little piece that you didn't even think about is what everyone loves. And you're like, oh, okay. But until you see that experience, you just don't know. So you think it's more of this like true experiential, true curated environment? Because I know people threw around that word in beauty so much the last couple of years. Experiential, experiential, like every festival was an experience, but then they all kind of ended up being the same thing or every store experience and meet and greet was the same mm -hmm. thing. So for you, you really think it's just about kind of capturing that in your own store? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know... I think being rooted in the arts district, when you walk around the arts district, there's art galleries, there's all kinds of pop-ups, um, you know, there's, it's just rooted in the DNA of sort of like these creative shopping experiences. Dover Street Market is down the street from us. Um, so really building off that energy, we want people to come in um, and generally walk into something unique. But the real key is, I think, when you walk into a strong retail environment, especially one that's specific to a brand, is you feel the essence of that brand. You know it. There's something specific that you could call out immediately when you think about that brand. And so that's what we've been working on, especially being a digital first brand that's constantly evolving. Digital, digital is moving so quickly. But when you build it, it's there, it's there for a while. So what does that feel like? And, and if we really know that essence, now we can take it to different areas of the world and people can quickly identify, you know, a youth of the people space. So it's worked in a way to give us more time because, you know, you work off these dates, we have launches and we were building something out for a specific timeline. And now we've been able to take a step back and go, OK, what is it that we want people to specifically feel when you walk into the youth of people space? You know, I have to ask, guys, you know, as something as two founders and, you know, the founder story becomes so important today in beauty. How much more do you feel like you need to be out there versus letting the stories tell itself? Because I know that's something that many other founders are grappling with right now. And I just have to hear your thoughts. Because I don't feel like you guys are out there nearly as much um, as I think some of the other brands out there. And I don't know if that's a conscious decision or if that's, you know, by design. Mm -hmm. Right. It, I mean, we we always built the brand. It's it's about the people. It's you to the people. It's not Joe and Greg. It's not Superfood Skincare. So we always wanted to be more behind the brand and not be so front facing and not be a, a big part of the. You know, we want our family story to be there uh, because it's so important to the DNA of the company of the brand, but not necessarily be the reason. That's like the reason. Okay, this is why we make great great skincare, and this is why we have these uh, brand pillars that we have, but not to be. Hey, I'm Joe and Greg, and here's our skincare line you should buy it it's it's that's just never what we were thinking um because we the brand can be so much bigger and should be so much bigger than, than than what we're doing uh so that's always been our philosophy with it and we were always very front-facing as far as like doing events trying to get to sephora stores or other or other retail partners getting to the stores to meet uh the the staff and the teams there to educate them on the brand but not necessarily be in the front of events and big crowds that was not our our goal or plan and now it's really not happening, of course. 
<laughs> so Joe, you stepped into that one too. You knew you said you could be much bigger. So what are projections looking like this year? Like how well are you guys doing? I mean, obviously if Jean D'Andre is calling you guys out, it must be pretty significant. And my second question to that is talk to me about investment because I know that was on the radar last year. And are you thinking about more coming forward? You stepped into that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first out, shout out to John, because that was uh, yeah. To read that article and see that was pretty amazing, and uh, it's yeah, every time we just hear our name in any way associated with 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 a John Andre and with Sephora, we're like, whoa, I still can't believe this. Um, but uh, we've had a great year. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate the last few years. We, we've doubled uh, revenue the last the last two years, and projecting almost to almost double again this year. Uh, not quite, but almost double. Um, and we'll see where next year goes. I think we have a lot to learn the last few months here to start to put it together, our projections for next year. And, you know, it's such a high growth startup. It's, it's tough to project because you start to, what is a real number? It's, it, it, it's, it's tough to figure out. So we are, we, we take it month in and month out and look a quarter ahead and, and plan that way. Um, and then on the, uh, investment side. So we've done two investment rounds. Uh, series A, Series B, and we're in a really great position. So we're not looking to add any investment anytime soon. Uh, we're we're in a really good position. We've got a fantastic group of investors, and and with that, a great board um, that has really been so supportive of us and given us such great information. And and they've educated us, uh, but they also let us do our thing and learn a little bit, and not just here's everything you have to do perfectly. They really let us operate and learn, and then give us great advice when we need it. Um, so it's such a good partnership. We're really happy with where we're at. Have you found like, at least in this COVID environment, you know, whether with your board or whether your investors, like, you know, that, that connection and that communication has been amped up because I know that I talk to other brands all the time and they're saying, you know, portfolio brands are bringing or portfolio companies are bringing all of their brands together, kind of trying to figure out like learnings from one another. It's kind of triage, constant mm-hmm. triage, you know, for the last mm-hmm. six months. So what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's definitely ebbed and flow a little bit, but it depends on what's going on. At the beginning, we were definitely on the phone more, meeting more, you know, talking through things. Um, and as things pop up, you know, as Joe mentioned, just the type of relationship we have is we, you know, can throw out a text and hop on the phone if we need to, or we can set up something, uh, you know, a, a meeting with everybody at Zoom if, if needed. But uh I think at the beginning, it was a lot more talking and then we like kind of level set and we're like, okay, we're doing okay. Things are all right. And then a little bit more back to a normal flow. And so speaking of normal, Greg, you walked into that one. Talk to me That's about that. launch. <laughs> yeah, if there's a, yeah, if, if, if we can use that word, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, talk to me about launches because I know that, you know, many other brands out there are having supply chain issues, having, you know, or kind of tabling things entirely for the season, which will be really detrimental to, I think, to holiday. So what are you guys thinking for fall? Yeah, well, I'll go backwards really quick is, you know, what's wild is initially we launched the energy facial right as COVID hit, and we were just getting ready to go. We had to have this conversation with ourselves. Like, should we even have this conversation right now? Like, what should we even be talking about? Should we launch this product? And it was our big A launch of the year at that time. And you know, thankfully it's at, at home treatment that's like perfect to be at home and use. So we ended up going through it. So I think there's decisions to make depending on what you're launching is like, you know, should we even launch this at the time was a conversation. And the real reality from uh, the logistics side is, yeah, things have been harder to source pumps and lids, simple things that you're just not even expecting or all of a sudden you, you can't get it. Um, 
So, and we're in an interesting place where we're updating all of our packaging and working with one family supplier uh, for sustainability reasons and also just quality. So we're kind of navigating some existing SKUs that are in one place and then um, the new glass componentry. So that's been uh, definitely a challenge for the, the ops team. And what about launches going forward? How are you thinking about that? Well, we have a, so we have our second launch of the year uh, coming next Tuesday. So uh, really excited for that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, as Greg mentioned, you know, we only had two product launches planned for the year. So it was just both times the conversation of should, first and March, should we? And then with this launch, it was always we're sticking to. We did delay it a little bit. We were thinking early August, but then um, probably mid-April, we decided to push it to September 1st, just based upon what we were doing with the summer schedule and, and, and conversations with our partners as well, our retail partners around what makes sense timing-wise. Uh, so we delayed a little bit here to September 1st, but really excited about the launch and um, rounding out uh, one of our favorite franchises, our, our dream to follow up to our dream and our dream franchise. Um, with product launch development, it takes us a couple of years. This one was actually, you know, not as long as some of our other products, but you get in there and you're working on it for a long time. So the supply chain and the logistical issues, because we were so far out, weren't as bad. But as Greg mentioned, it's some of the other, our current existing products, as we are growing and hitting new targets, now it's just like the basic things that we always buy, the, com- the commodity items, if you will, are tough to get a hold of because of the shifts we're seeing. Um, but fortunately, this launch pulling off, and then we have a holiday kit that will launch middle of October that we're really excited about. And the same thing, that's and that's running on time. And, um, so, so far, haven't had to shift any launches due to the supply chain, but definitely have had some out-of-stock issues due to supply chain. So when you think about, you know, the next, the rest of the year, as well as early 2021, since you guys are, you know, playing the long game here, like what can we expect from, from the brand and how you guys continue moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we'll be focusing on, on the new launch for sure. So you hear a lot about dreams uh, happening in the next month or so. Um, and then for us, just, you know, staying on core, really educating on um, our point of view in skincare and how our products work together. Um, we're going to be talking about voting and just the importance of everybody activating their voice. Um, it's super important to us. So we have that campaign going on. Um, yeah. Last question for you guys. When you think about, you know, the way that beauty brands have to be more responsible, and I'm not just talking about like res- sustainability, but also like what you're saying right now, Greg, with voting and, you know, what happened with George Floyd and diversity and inclusion, like, it's a lot to chew for some brands who never did this before, especially legacy brands. So when you think of Youth to the People and what it means to be a Youth to the People customer, employee, like what does it mean? Like what what does that all capture? Yeah, it's definitely a new arena. Uh, you know, for us, our our goal and our dream was to use our platform to amplify unity, to amplify love, to amplify a message, to amplify people that were making a change and being more conscious in the way that they viewed the world and the environment. So for us, being part of that conversation is really important. Um, It's true to our DNA. It's what we think about uh, day in and day out. But you still have to really be thoughtful and, and, you know, your intentions can be great and you can still uh, navigate something wrong. So, you know, Joe and I are, you know, we're learning as we go. But the main thing is to you know, walk through things that are scary, walk through fears, walk through things that are uncomfortable. I think just being honest and genuine with your community is always a good place to be. And people always respect that. And some people, um, you know, 
won't understand completely maybe where you're coming from, but I think if you lead from that way, you're in a good place. Thank you so much, guys. It was so fun spending the morning with you. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. You too, Fred. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.